and welcome. This is the Spooky Succubus cast. That's my spider we're, we're all racing towards the grave. Um, did you know the tagline for this movie is eight legs, two fangs, and an attitude? <laughs> what a terrible tagline. Um, fitting. Like um, yeah. They, I... those spider, the Spideys definitely had an attitude. They had a vendetta. Probably because America propped up a Venezuelan dictatorship in their home country, like, causing huge economic distress, but... That's definitely why. I found myself rooting for the spiders, to be Same honest. Same here. I, yeah, they do a lot more good than people do, right? So, lay those yeah. eggs, make those I sacks. mean, I guess I don't know, like, what the crickets, why the crickets had to suffer, but... I don't like crickets. You know, so. the food chain is what it is. Really? I've never met a cricket. You ne- you. There was one in here. The crickets are wild in this neighborhood. They're on the ceilings, freaking me out. Yeah. Do you have cicadas there? Yeah. When we went to, when we did our road trip last summer, and when we were in Cincinnati, I was afraid we were going to have a cicada attack. They They're don't. They're fucking around. They don't leave the trees. They're just like... You walk by a tree and it's like, it's like just loud noise. And you're like, That was okay. a good impression. <laughs> uh, so w- <laughs> welcome to the cast. This is Abby and Rebecca's podcast about, um, I almost said international waters and I'm really not sure why. <laughs> For our podcast about what happens on international waters. Just oh kidding. It's an intersectional feminist uh, podcast, anti-racist, anti-capitalist, pro-union, pro-spiders podcast about horror movies. And today we're talking about arachnophobia, which, like, I really had, like, the special tingle for Jeff Daniels in this movie back in the day, but he totally gave me the ick when I watched it this time. Um, What was I thinking? Yeah, this movie, we had it on VHS. I definitely watched it a few times, and I remember it being a lot more fun than it actually is, so... Yeah, I remember, like, I was like, yeah, there's, like, swarms of spiders everywhere. It's so crazy. There was, like, one scene where there was a spider swarm, but mostly it was just Jeff Daniels with a fake flamethrower, like, flailing. There's just a lot of flailing. It was, yeah, flailing, and then, like, the big spider, like, standoff, I was like, you're fighting a spider, bro. Like, I don't... Just step on it. Yeah, just throw <laughs> it. I, did, I don't know. They were sentient spiders, I guess, but I don't they know. They did seem to have an agenda. Uh, I will say I'm glad the spiders are such cute, funny puppets. I think they're absolutely adorable. Yeah, they're not scary. It wasn't a... Fr- and I don't like bugs. As mentioned, I don't like crickets. I don't like, I hate flies. No flies. I feel lukewarm yeah. about spiders. Rebecca's on the Rebecca's on the no fly list. No fly list. Great. I'll take <laughs> <Hey>. the train. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I have a lot of things, bad things to say about this movie. Pretty much nothing but bad things. I have say. nothing too good too good say. No good to say, good say. Uh, it's so bad I can't speak. Um, I wonder what its Rotten Tomatoes score is. Here we go, Google probably things better the podcast because I don't look shit up ahead of time. Hey, this movie has a ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Why things were different? I don't know. In the 90s. Even 
even John Goodman couldn't save it. And I know you have a soft spot for John Goodman. I love John Goodman. I don't know if he's done anything I saw you posted the picture of him in the Black Flag t-shirt. And that picture always just gives me a smile. He's just so cute. I love John Goodman. Always have. We were, unfortunately, a Roseanne family. But um, John Goodman is is better than Roseanne. Yeah. And Roseanne really taught me a lot about class and, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah, I like feel like Roseanne gave me more class consciousness than like the U.S. government ever did. But right, uh, she's so problematic. It's bad. Um, I just like I wish people could just stop. Like you made like a very cool groundbreaking TV show about class in the '90s and like about being poor and working class, and then you just had to make it racist. Why did you have to make it racist? I mean, it probably it was been to not make it racist. Probably racist at the time too, because where were they? Ohio. They were in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, there are black and brown people in Ohio, definitely, and that show was unbelievably all white. white. Yeah, and all about yeah. working class white um, plight, and not about any other like intersectionality. Yeah, um, the nineties so. uh, were not an intersectional time. Mm-hmm. Intersectional identities were basically ignored for sure um but yeah uh who knows comment if you think roseanne is racist just kidding we know she is we know uh maybe don't tell me anything bad that john goodman's done it might be too much for my heart no tell me because i want to know know. but still julian sands who plays atherton i don't know him i don't know him from a hole in the wall he's he's committed violence against women with that face with that face and that hairline no can't trust including jeff daniels a blonde adult man can't do it you gotta question them first that said (laughs) gingers you can trust a ginger i promise okay let's get into it i'm gonna swallow loudly into the mic first In Venezuela, photographer Jerry Manley meets entomologist Dr. James Atherton, played by the aforementioned Julian Sands. Well, enemy to all they, them, and she, hers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jerry Manley's played by Mark L. Taylor, and I was like, why do I know this weird face? He's in Honey, I, I Shrunk I, the Kids. Dude, I've never seen that movie. <gasps> that one missed oh me. God. I know. I Maybe I'll it. watch that next. I, I think I've mentioned on this PCAST before that I just saw Home Alone for the first time this past Christmas, right? I, yeah, I could take or leave Home Alone. I wasn't as into it as everyone else. Oh, and Stuart Pankin, who plays Sheriff Parsons, he was super familiar, too. He yeah. looks like a, Dis- a Disney Channel original movie guy. That's what I'm going to say he <laughs> looks like. Yeah, there's all these white guys who I'm like, your face looks kind of familiar. But, yeah, he's definitely... I watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids a million and a half times. Cheerio scene, so good. Love it. I can't relate. Oh, someone um, this out man there was know. on... He was in Xenon. Remember? He's like the weird commander in Xenon. The I've sheriff. never seen that one. Well, it's too late now. Sorry. Yeah, I don't... I don't... There. I wasn't always on the Disney Channel. I was That's also, all I had. It's a Nickelodeon I kid. Scream okay. on DVD, okay? And I was watching Scream on VHS, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. VHS. I lost my place in history. Okay. So uh, Manly and Dr. James Atherton meet, and they go to a tepoy, an isolated mountain mesa where species can survive in isolation for millions of years. 
They're guided by an indigenous man, uh, and because of thoughtless filmmaking, this indigenous man speaks Spanish. I was like, "Are you their native tongue?" Kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And when he said something in Spanish, I, it was whatever he said. I don't even remember. I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me! You can't even like, get maybe, this right." What? Maybe he knows Spanish, but a lot of times, like isolated indigenous peoples in Central and South American countries, don't speak spanish they like very often I mean, like in their isn't... communities speak their indigenous language also they call it south america at some point and venezuela is not technically south america central america uh i think that i don't know that many i don't know central south america are colonized areas so i the, think maybe like, yeah. if they stumbled upon like an indigenous um, community in the mountains, they'd be like, "Get the fuck away from me! I don't. I'm not going to guide you to my mountain. Leave me alone." Yeah, I don't. Totally. And so it just feels wholly unrealistic from the jump. I just, I don't know. And the way that I... he's dressed and his like makeup and the, I hate. I'm so mad. I was like, I fucking want to punch everyone it who made this movie in the face. Extremely racist. Yeah. I'm trying to find out what Venezuela's actual name is. Um, But the population of Venezuela pre-Columbian included the Kalina, Awake, Cacuateo, Mariche, and Timotoquicas tribes. Um, So he's possibly one of those tribes. But he got colonized. I'm sorry, sir. And I'm sorry you had to be in this movie, whoever you are. Hopefully he got paid, because he didn't get a name in the script, so... What's he credit? Is he even credited? No, it's, I couldn't find anything. And a lot of the got, people in the beginning like of the movie. Got like fifteen Beechwoods. Oh yeah, like none of the people get names. Like his the guy, uh, Doctor Atherton's assistant. That is, I think, Venezuelan. He doesn't have any. He like barely has lines. Yeah, he gets a name. They introduce him, but uh, it's Miguel Juarez, played by Juan Fernandez. So, thank you, Rebecca. You're I didn't welcome. look closely at the IMDb because I'm bad at my job. Um, okay, so they reach the Mesa and Dr. Atherton is mansplaining berries and sinkholes. I really don't remember what that was. Um, that was so long ago that I watched I was this so part mad. Of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> at the time I like was seething. I couldn't write anything down. Manly and Atherton travel into the hole create it's like a natural sinkhole created by water hitting the Mesa rock. Uh, and they, but the guide will go no farther. Pro tip, if, um, someone indigenous to the land won't go any further, I would say, like, neither should you. Get out of there. Just leave it alone, you know? And definitely don't go there to do nothing but cause death and destruction, which is Literally, what they do. Literally, they murdered so many butterflies. Okay, so, in the hole, uh, Manly locates a massive spider web while the others set up equipment. Basically, Atherton sprays smoke into this massive tree, uh, to murder multiple species of insects, so they drop out of the tree, and he can like collect their specimen bodies. Um, massive spiders begin falling out of the tree, and Atherton says it's a new species that's been isolated and unchanged for years. The spiders that dropped from the tree should have been dead, but they're coming back to life. Can I just say, this is a point we never exactly resolve. Why can the spiders come back to life? Um, yeah, it doesn't I'm, seem like we ever like wrap that up when we're they're getting like murdered at the end of the movie. It's like are they supposed to be like indestructible? Alive. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm confused about like 
I don't know. The how did the butterflies and the spiders coexist in this tree? We'll never know because he just murdered them instead of really studying. Yeah, them. and the spiders eat like all the crickets in Kanaima, California. So why aren't they eating all those butterflies too? Yeah. Are yeah? Do they not eat butterflies? Is that do they know. only become aggressive when provoked. they mate with like the yeah when provoked or when they mate with like the domestic California spider? I don't know. He didn't, I mean, the spider did crawl into somebody's bag and then crawl into their coffin. They seem to know what they're doing. I'm, I was like, I'm confused. Also, why would you want to leave? You have such a nice place to live. You have a good spider life. I mean, I, then they say something about them wanting to do nothing but, like, breed and make more spiders. So maybe that's like, oh, if I go somewhere new, I can make more of spiders. It's, they're like worker bees. Like a man swiping on a dating app wherever he goes. Ugh. Must that a make good sperm. Yeah. <laughs> Must squirt. I'm sorry I said that. Um. <laughs> take it back, take it back. It's fine. Take it back, take it back. So they take two of the spiders alive, preserve another two bodies, and head back to camp. As they walk, a spider drops out of a tree and into their packs unnoticed. Atherton discovers that the spiders have no reproductive organs. I don't know what this means. I never do throughout the movie. I know it's like a key point, but I have no information about why it's important. I don't understand it either. How did they mate with the California spider? The, the California spider. I don't know. Manly has a fever and goes to lie down, but he's followed by the spidey that snuck into their packs, and the spider bites him. He seizes and dies. They put Manly in a pretty elaborately constructed wooden coffin. It seems like they already had a pretty fancily made coffin lying around ready for this occasion. Could have just um, used it. The spider sneaks into it. Uh, and then back in Kanama, California, Manly's body arrives at the funeral home. His corpse is desiccated because the spider drank all his blood. And then the spider sneaks out of the coffin where it's nabbed by a crow. Uh, it murders the crow, and the crow and spider land in the yard of Ross Jennings, who's just moved to Kanaima, California, with his family from San Francisco. Ross and child Tommy have arachnophobia. He's taking over the practice of the local doctor, Dr. Metcalf, but now Dr. Metcalf is waffling on his retirement, and Ross barely has a patient in sight. <gasps> Not a white guy suffering. How no. dare. He then meets Margaret Hollis, who becomes his patient and hates the old doctor with cause. He's a bad doctor. Uh, Margaret suggests throwing a party to endear Ross to the townspeople. Meanwhile, the Venezuelan spider is getting it on with a domestic spider that Molly saved from the house and put in the barn. Ma oh, Molly is Ross's wife. <laughs> She's much cooler than Ross. And Yeah, Molly uh, has always a really good fishtail braid in her hair. True. It's a very 90s, yeah, like high mom jeans, flannel shirt, fishtail braid. All her outfits are really cool. Uh, Molly checks out the barn. I guess she's a photographer. That's, like, never really established. It's but a she hobby. has a camera. Yeah. yeah she's a uh, and she finds a massive spider web. The children play with Bunny Beechwood, who's my favorite character, and Molly Let's tells go blow up a frog, and then she's like running. <laughs> Molly tells Ross about the web and tries to convince him to come look at it as immersion therapy. 
Ross had an incident when he was two where a spider crawled into his crib and he's had arachnophobia ever since. I don't have any memories from being two. Nobody does. It's impossible. I, she's, Molly's right when she's like, you can't remember anything from when you're two. Shut up, yeah. (laughs) You just heard this story from your mom and now you think it's real. It's not. They go to look at the web, but the ladder breaks and Ross falls and gets some, gets some web on his face. Um, just out of frame, an egg sac pulses and begins to hatch. I'm not loving the pulsing egg sacs in this movie. It's really too much. It's, yeah, and they're like purpley in color. Very un- It makes unsettling. me think about how our uteruses contract when we're menstruating to squeeze out the dead egg cells. I don't know if this is real. I saw it on TikTok, but it was like some study said that menstrual cramps, some menstrual cramps are as bad as a heart attack. I is saw that, that too. I don't, I don't know if TikTok has science. I mean, TikTok is like what I've learned from this drama that we've been following is that it is the most unchecked, unhinged place I've ever seen in my life. And like the evolution of this bullshit that I've seen over the past five days is staggering. So I think don't trust anything anyone says on the internet ever. But I've had some pretty bad cramps, and I feel like men. In movies are usually really dramatic about having heart attacks, you know? Mm. And I could see it being, like, they're just, like, babies. Yeah. Like, you know how when, like, a man gets, you know how when a man gets a cold, they're like, I'm gonna die. Yeah. I mean, I'm also kind of a baby when I'm sick, though, so I can't, like, call into I don't know. I feel like, I feel like let's just generalize and shit on men, though. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, where are we here? Oh, party um, time. the party is on. They meet some locals, including Manly's drunk parents who are struggling with their loss. Uh, spiders begin leaving the barn and infiltrate the party and Margaret's home. Oh, and we also meet Irv, the uh, funeral director, and his wife, Claire, played by um, Mimi. Mimi. Ma- Mimi from the Drew Carey show. So much fat phobia. Um, very fat phobic. How yes. dare they want a cookie and be fat? My God. There's a lot of fat phobia going on in this movie. Uh, Margaret gets ready for bed after the party and is bitten by a spider that drops down from the light when she turns it off. She also is saying she misses her. She's a widow. Well, she says she goodbye her to her. Oh, you're you're going to be with him sooner than you think, Marg. Ooh, dark. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. What? It's true. But it's very sad. So, Ross is working on his wine cellar. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. He's like a (sighs) wine guy. It's very boring. And I hate him. Um, It makes me hate him. He finds some rotten wood. Um, Meanwhile, Molly can't reach Margaret and sends Ross over to check on her. Inside, Margaret has died, and Dr. Metcalf declares it a heart attack. Ross reveals that he took her off unnecessary blood pressure medication just days before, and Metcalf bristles and says he caused her death. Ross asks for an autopsy, but is dismissed, and he insists, insists there are signs of convulsions, but Metcalf counters that he's going to come after him for malpractice. Now, if you are going to come after him for malpractice, pretty sure they're going to have to autopsy her to determine a cause of death. So, Metcalf... Yeah, I feel like you're not like you're you're not with the times, sir. It's also like okay, so later on another person dies unexpectedly. Like you're also not gonna autopsy that person. Like three people it's have some, died in your town. And like within weeks, within days, mere days. Yeah. Okay. 
Football coach Henry Beachwood offers to throw some business Ross's way. Meanwhile, exterminator Delbert McClintock, played by John Goodman, arrives to deal with the supposed termite issue. Uh, Delbert declares it bad wood and suggests that they take it out and put in good wood. Very sage advice. So, um, Ross is at the gym with Henry examining the testicles of high school boys. It's a very long scene. It goes on too long. I don't like it either. Um... But then they're out on the field, and under the bleachers, a spidey lurks, and it crawls into a football player's helmet. Todd Miller is bit, dies, and Ross is right there and just examined him, so he earns the nickname Dr. Death. At Sam Metcalf's house... All he did house, was cup that child's nuts. How, would, how does anybody think yeah, that he killed he him? He didn't take him off his blood pressure medication. <laughs> also, I feel like... You're a medical professional. Why are you making this disgusted face as you cup nuts? Also, is that a standard thing that used to happen for football players? I remember that being a thing. Yeah, the whole turn your head and cough thing. Yeah. Sure. I remember scoliosis checks. I never had a scoliosis check. Really? They did Maybe it. Maybe I did. You had to do it like twi- twice a year in gym. And we would have to take our shirts off so the nurse could check our spine. I don't know. Never happened to me. Okay, well, that, I guess I have some, someone has explained it to you, but. <laughs> Weird. No one cared I'm not sure my spine isn't good health either. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Sam Metcalf's house, he's on his elliptical or something. Uh, and then he's bitten by a spider, seizes and dies in front of his wife. Uh, Rebecca and I talked about this a little bit off air, but there's a very protracted scene of his old man feet. And I, um, it's very gross. More than right, once. You, know, you see nary another toe anywhere in this movie, but I have to look at this man's spider bitten toe for easily like 30 to 45 seconds on screen. Gross. It's I quite a bit like of airtime. So, uh, Sam Metcalf's wife calls Jennings, Ross Jennings, but he's already dead, R.I.P., uh, and Ross requests a full autopsy. He becomes the town doctor and gets Sam's autopsy results. He died from an unidentified toxin in his bloodstream. So, Ross wants to exhume the other two bodies to investigate. Uh, meanwhile, Shelly is going to stay at Bunny Beachwood's house. Uh, and Ross freaks out and warns the girls in a panic about the Spideys. He's mentally unwell. Uh, at I mean, Bunny's, he is, there's like in the right, but yeah, maybe don't like scare. He's a little children. unhinged, although he's correct. Uh, at Bunny's, there is indeed a spider closing in on the girls, but Bunny Beechwood, bad bitch, manages <laughs> to squish it with a book without knowing, so they're fine. Uh, Ross is doing some research and tracks down Dr. Atherton to enlist his help. Uh, Meanwhile, Big Daddy Spider is dragging an egg sack into the basement. I mean, the wine cellar, excuse me. (laughs) He says the same thing. Was that on purpose? No. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, it's a a joke. I I did a good joke. Uh, Atherton's assistant, Chris Collins, arrives to help Ross and joins him at the morgue to examine the exhumed bodies for bites. They find bites on all of them, obviously, and Collins calls Atherton, who will join the next afternoon, and he asks Collins to find a specimen. The next day, Ross, Lloyd, the sheriff, Lloyd the sheriff, Chris Collins, and Milt Briggs, who I'm unclear on his, uh, part in this. Who is he? An insurance adjuster? 
Yeah, I was just like, okay, this guy's along for the ride. I wasn't paying he's super close just attention. Like, no, I didn't pay close attention. He's just a guy wearing a bolo tie that's, like, helping. Uh, and they I investigate Mech. Secure the area. <laughs> they investigate Metcalf's house. Uh, so in Metcalf's house, the 90s TV in the kitchen. Bring back the TV in the kitchen. Antennas. Love it. You're doing dishes. You're cooking. You know, why not have a TV in the kitchen? There's a, because our condo is kind of old, so uh, kind of very old. So there's a plug. Our apartment is extremely old as well. There's a plug in the kitchen for a phone. I was like, it just like, I noticed it the other day and I was just like, just think about like being on a phone with a cord and like doing yeah, the dishes. Like doing and, the, and, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, so you fun. could have a landline. Oh my God. Wild. I won't because, I mean, sometimes I'm like, what if there's a serial killer who takes my cell phone and I need a landline? Who knows? But at that point, I'll just break a window and leave. It would be totally unexpected in this day and age if someone tried to kill you and you were like, got a call on my landline. They would be like, you have a landline? (laughs) You're free to go, ma'am. Floored. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Collins finds a web in uh, Metcalf's yard. Ross notes that there have been no crickets because they're all getting eaten. Meanwhile, Sheriff Lloyd is fat, so he's eating cereal and finds a dead spider in one of the Metcalf's cereal boxes. Over at the Beechwoods, Becky Beechwood is taking a shower whilst a spider lurks. Um, Downstairs, another spider threatens to bite Henry Beechwood while he poops. Uh, back in Becky's shower, the spider jumps on her, causing a commotion in the house. Colin says they need another sample because the one from the cereal box is already desiccated. And he says the spiders are like little vampires. I'm so bored reading about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, yeah, we're reaching the climax. But I was like, I don't even care. I don't care about any of these characters. 15 minutes long, and it's, like, no less boring than the rest of the movie. Yeah. Okay, Ross finds out that Atherton went to Venezuela, discovered a new spider species, uh, and then a spider pops out of the curtain, Collins traps it. (laughs) Meanwhile, Delbert the exterminator is heading to the Beechwood home and squishes one of the spiders on the porch. He sprays it, but... Oh, he sprayed it, but it lived, so he squished it. Okay. Maybe you have to, like, mortally wound it. You can't spray it with anything. That's the whole... It's like a zombie. Yeah, you have to, like, really, like, decimate it. it. Atherton arrives at Ross's office, and Ross tells Atherton about Manley's desiccated corpse. Ross believes it was one of the Venezuelan spiders that traveled back with Manley's body to Canaima. They test the venom on a mouse, and it kills people, obviously. Uh, it kills mouse. I Atherton, feel like they didn't need that at all. Like, yeah, we know. Why murder an innocent mouse? Like, you know what's going to happen. Atherton notes that they have no sex organs and are drone species, so it's a deadly strain but can't reproduce and will die quickly. So they have to find the original male, the queen, and their primary nest and wipe them out before they spread further. Like, I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> Delbert arrives, thankfully. Ross suggests that they go to Irv's since that's where the original spider came from. Irv and Claire are fat, so they're eating popcorn, uh, and there is a spider in their popcorn. Delbert is burning rubber on the way to Irv's, accompanied by Ross and Collins. 
Meanwhile, Atherton spots one of Molly's web pictures on the wall at Ross's office, and he and Sheriff Lloyd head to Ross's barn. Feels like Ross could have made that connection a little sooner. Like, he had his face in that web mere days ago. Right? You don't remember the rat in the web? When he, like, huge rat. The, what, the rat hit you in the face. Maybe you'd be like, oh, this is an unusual spider. Maybe That's start there. weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Over at Irv's, the gang arrives, but Irv and Claire are dead, and the spider crawls out of Irv's nose. No mm. dignity for Irv. Atherton and the sheriff arrive at the barn where they discover the big web, yada yada. The Scooby gang maps out the killings and realizes Ross's house is at the center. Atherton is checking out the nest and he's bitten by the daddy, I think. Um, Good riddance. He's out of the movie now. Ross is freaking the (laughs) fuck out and trying to evacuate his family whilst Delbert checks out the barn where he finds Atherton's webby body. In the house, spiders are suddenly, like, literally everywhere. They were nowhere, and then they're everywhere. I know. I was like, why are they suddenly? And then the shadows. It's just, like, spider shadows. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite part. The family goes, runs upstairs, barricades themselves in a bathroom. The bathroom has a quarter to half inch gap under the door, which a spider can obviously fit through. (laughs) So they're like, no! Ah, doors! (laughs) Like, what? I see So the spiders come in under the door. The family escapes through a window onto the roof. It's a whole thing. Uh, Ross gets left behind. Delbert comes in and delivered the o- delivers the only funny line in the movie because he says, it's time to rock and roll. <laughs> so cute. Thank you, Delbert. Ross falls from the second floor landing through the bad wood in the floor to the basement, and he just, like, lies down for a while. He caused the live wire to be exposed during his fall and realizes the primary nest is in his basement, so he calls for Chris. He flails around with a shovel for a while and eventually meets the queen, who crawls onto the handle of the shovel. When he sees her there, he tosses the shovel at the circuit breaker, and the queen is electrocuted. He then finds the um, egg sack. This, uh, do you know why he did this? He finds the egg sack. He breaks one of the fancy wine bottles and just like tosses wine on the sack of eggs. Because uh, he's going to set it on fire. I think that's the... Oh, I'm stupid. Okay. Uh, so that deserves, disturbs the daddy spider. Uh, he continues just kind of like throwing wine. I wrote in my notes I'm answering an email right now and not paying close attention. Uh, he makes a homemade flamethrower with a lighter and some spray paint. It just seems like he's setting his own house on fire with like mm-hmm. minimal impact. Bad wood. Uh, more, <laughs> more back and forth with the big spider. Ross end up ends up under some debris. When the daddy spider strolls up his leg as Ross remains perfectly still, it this eventually... Is, he's, like, laying flat with... It's like an Ikea shelf that you could easily just, like, toss. Like, you're not trapped under just, anything. Like, yeah, you're, he's just lying down Get with the spider on him. So, eventually the spider crawls onto this, like, piece of two-by-four that's laying across Ross's lap, and he flips it over. Like, he, like catapults it or like seesaws it i don't know like whatever yeah it's ridiculous Um, and then flings the spider into a little patch of fire it emerges on fire squeaking and then manages to throw ross manages to throw it at the egg sack which also goes up in uh flames and then delbert arrives and pulls ross out of the drama uh later the jennings family is back in San Francisco, and the movie closes with a little earthquake in their apartment. And that's it. And we made it. The end. Mercifully, we're it's done. It's so boring. It's, like, also 
like two hours long. Uh, yeah, too long for this movie. It's yeah, it was like I don't know. I don't know why it has such a high rating. I don't know why I used to think it was fun. I, maybe because it has that like uh, anaconda nineties like, yeah, like adventure horror yeah kind of vibe it's sort so of Jumanji. But yeah, it's boring. Also, Kanaima, California looks like a nice place to live, so I think they should stop shitting on it. Granted, there's no people of color there, but it's 1990. What did we expect? Um, I, yeah, it's a made-up town. Seems fine. There's only one doctor for... What if What if Ross, what's-his-face, never came? Then what would they do with these spider attacks? Like, yeah, exactly. Would, every, would the whole town just die? I guess so, because the doctor was dead. Yeah, I don't, and he didn't want to autopsy anybody anyway. So imagine apocalypse by spider. I mean, at least you die fast without really knowing what happened to you. You know, you're just like, like I'm uh, having a seizure and I'm dead. Yeah, gotta go. Um, gotta go. What should we talk about first? What do you think? Well, it's really fatphobic. We can knock that one out before we get yeah. into the big bad, which is the racism. Uh, the fat phobia is upfront and in your face and, and like so tangible. Like there's like four fat people in the movie and they're all like either ridiculous and made fun of constantly always eating or mm-hmm. like stupid and don't know that they're the butt of the joke. Like Delbert. I feel so bad for Kathy Kinney. I feel like her whole career was just like being a like fat phobic, like, caricature of a person you know she's funny i thought you know she's really funny a funny actor i don't but yeah the way that they characterized her on the drew carey show so bad like she was evil because she was fat and wore a lot of makeup more lipstick yeah it was wild she had yellow eyeshadow the way the way that they made her up when i was a little kid i remember thinking it was drew carey in a wig playing Mimi like yeah. I they thought dressed it was her up like, like a, a clown I thought it was like a bit completely yeah and yeah she's um yeah so and then Irv and Claire are otherwise othered because I feel like working in the funeral industry is often seen as like an undesirable job mm-hmm. so they're othered for being fat and they're also othered for their sort of choice of like an unsavory or like not socially acceptable profession and Irv is also like made out to be disgusting because he eats in the break room with the bodies or like you gotta eat like you gotta eat he, he eats at his job yeah he's a busy man yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do and they like seem like they're really in love they seem like a functional couple they like watching they wheel great. of fortune together like they're they not bad the, people they take the phone off the hook to watch wheel of fortune love i mean it. this is what we all should strive for Fucking and they're goals. like like, oh, they're eating while they watch TV. It's like a bowl of popcorn that's such a moderate size. It's like not even a lot of food. I would eat that like, by we myself. Don't, easy. We don't see them eat a lot of food. Like, they take like three cookies and we're like those disgusting fat pieces of shit. And then also, if you're at a party with free food, take as much free food as you can possibly carry. Are you going to eat that, Margaret? You weigh 98 pounds. Like, no. Yeah, Margaret has, like, a freaking coffee, like, IV drip or something. Like, she's not eating. And, yeah, the way that she says it when they're leaving the party, she's like, do you want a dog bag, you fat pieces of shit? Even though I do like Margaret. 
her, I don't know. She's, there's, she's kind of fun. There's a lot to love about Margaret, but it's yeah, she's not a nuanced her. portrayal of, like, fat people, for sure. And then there's Lloyd, who everybody wants to hate, because, I mean, this, this movie does have a bit of, uh, you know, hatred for cops. It's a bit anti-cop, which I love. Lloyd is yeah. a sheriff, and he's bad at his job, but he's they make him fat. Yep. And he's incompetent and bad at his job. And he's fat. And he finds, like, like, he finds the uh, spider corpse by accident because he's snacking at Metcalf's house while he's on duty. And that's just, he's played for laughs. All the fat people are played for laughs. Um, Yeah, and then John Goodman, I feel like, transcends this conversation because he is John Goodman. But also, his character is played completely for laughs. Oh, yeah. He's also incompetent. Like, he just says, like, silly things. Everybody tells a weird him to shut up all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ross doesn't treat him like a professional. He just tells him to shut up and, like, just stop talking. And let, like, let's go. Well, why don't you drive yourself, Ross? Do you have a truck, you loser? Yeah, shut the fuck up, Ross. I Bitch. think it's... That character is, yeah, it's John Goodman, who's the most successful actor in this movie, for sure, is, like, a great at his job, but uh, that character, he's stupid, he has is a lower class, he works in another unsavory profession in pest mm-hmm. control, he's fat, he's ridiculous, like, he, like, the way that he's driving, they feel unsafe, so it's, like, just, it's, you know has a little more nuance to it because it's John Goodman, but otherwise it'd be this, like, fat, ridiculous term- uh, ex- exterminator. I almost said Terminator. Wrong. Uh, Term- bug Terminator. Bug I think terminator. in that way, like, what you were saying, the the fat phobia in this movie is, like, a pretty good feeder into the classism. Yeah. So I guess there is intersectionality and in that the movie supports <laughs> that fat phobia and class intersect. <laughs> but... <laughs> If you're but, lower class, yeah. you're also fat. So even like the way that Atherton and Manley interact, like Manley's mm-hmm. a professional coming to do a job, and Atherton like doesn't like his gruffness or his appearance or his approach, so he kind of like shits on him constantly. They shit on Irvin Claire all the time. They like again, they totally shit on Delbert. Um, Delbert is even a stupid fucking name. That's not really even a name. Sorry if your name is Delbert. I kind of like if, that. If someone named Delbert is listening to this podcast right now, I like your name. I will enter a hot dog eating competition. <laughs> <laughs> Just for a laugh. Just for fun. Uh, yeah, and Ross is like a super elitist piece of shit. Like, yeah. I wrote, what, at the end of the movie, I wrote, imagine having the economic mobility to move back and forth from San Francisco twice in a few months. Like, fuck you. And then his wine obsession, the way that he talks about wine at the beginning of the movie with the mover that's a, the only person of color, basically, in the movie. Except black man, outside yeah. of the Venezuelan people. Um, about, like, how expensive his Chateau Margot is. Like, I was so acts- pissed off. Because that was on a truck from San Francisco and you're mad because this guy's carefully carrying a box down a ramp? Fuck you. Like, you're just, yeah, you just want to yell at this guy. The sediments are already disturbed, bro. Fucker, yeah. Then you should have flown them first class. Yeah. Okay. You should have carried them in your stupid lap. Yeah, he's a huge dick and he acts like he's, like, God's gift to this small town, and he's super dismissive of the opinions of the small town doctor. And then the doctor is played as like an evil, like social climbing quack, too. Yeah. I mean, 
Anytime a white man gets maligned, I'm happy like, with that. Uh, but whatever, who cares? Unless it's yeah. like, yeah, not Irv, not and Delbert, never John Goodman, yeah, never John Goodman. But I think, uh, yeah, the even Molly's characterization because she's a stockbroker from San Francisco, and she and even like it just seems like a way to sort of undercut her too is like. She's even though she's smarter and more successful, like more capable, yeah, and capable than her husband. She's still secondary to like his plight with the spiders, and now he and he, she gives up her career and her life to move to this small town with him, right? Because he so had this he opportunity, can advance his career, yeah. And then she like is trying to make the best of it. Like, can't you hear the crickets and count the stars and shouldn't you be happy here? And he's like, no, shut the fuck up. I miss the big city, blah, blah, blah. I just let out like a 10 second fart and I'm really curious if the mic picked it up just as an aside. Most likely, yeah. But I was talking, so you could mute it maybe. Or don't. Uh, or don't. And then uh, what was I going to say about something else about class? Oh, that Margaret is, like, the old rich widow, and she throws the parties, and so, like, they get yeah. in good with her, they have to get, they're she's gonna thin, get in good with She's blonde, like, mm-hmm. she commands attention, she commands, like, social capital and sway because of her well position in the town, but also her appearance, I think, and her wealth, for sure. Yeah. Y'all, I the guess beach we woods. have to talk about it. The oh. Beachwoods. We can talk about the Beachwoods. I like them. I don't know. I kind of like them. Well, Bunny Beachwood, I feel like Ross Jennings, like, acts like Bunny Beachwood isn't a suitable, like, friend for his children Mm -hmm. because she's poor or she's, like, a lower, like, social caste than his family is. Uh, And, like, Henry Beachwood trying to do Ross a favor brings him business to check the the boy balls. And Ross is unappreciative and dismissive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We should... I'm my lady boner for Jeff Daniels. Gone. Gone. <laughs> I I think like they the only teenage girl in this movie is hypersexualized in the shower scene for absolutely no reason. For I was no really reason. grossed out by it. The spider like crawls down between her boobs. I'm like, why? And like uh, ostensibly towards her vagina because she screams like as it gets lower. Yeah, and like I'm sorry, isn't she, like, 16, 17? Like, what the fuck? So nasty. And then her... Frank Marshall, I, I need to have a word with you. I'm just going to make sure quickly he's still alive. Um, he... Also, she he's gets alive. walked in. Her dad walks in on her and sees her fully naked, and then she's like, ah, what, why? What was the value add of that scene? Yeah, like, no, absolutely no need. So confused. Uh, but, yeah, we can talk about the big... R, the big R in the room. Big R, yeah. So for a little, um, like, placemaking about where Venezuela and America are at at this time, which I think could provide some context, um, as I mentioned, Ven- uh, America propped up the dictatorship of P- Perez Jimenez in the 50s, which basically allowed them to... Um, like, tap into Venezuela's oil reserves and exploit them. Uh, This ended up sort of backfiring in the 1980s because global oil prices began plummeting and Venezuela's economy uh, just, like, completely shrank and inflation soared. And so it accrued, like, tons of foreign debt to America and then purchased Sitco um, 
the U.S. refinery in 89. So there's, just for level setting, that's where America and Venezuela are at at this time. So this is a common the, practice for America in, yeah, like, Central and South America. Venezuela is South America, though. But it's, like... That's a common practice, that the U.S. does that to take resources, to gain control, uh, and, and now dismantle it, like, governments. So, Yes, exactly. And um, not long after this, Hugo Chavez comes into power, but that hasn't happened at the time this movie is made. So at this time, uh, Venezuela has this massive foreign debt to the U.S., which the U.S. kind of orchestrated through controlling their resources and exploiting them for so many years. And um, riots are starting to happen in Venezuela because of an austerity bill um, promoted by the government at this time. So, I don't know if that is... Adam's here. He's creeping in. Why do you always Hello. say I'm here? Because I like you. I'm just, happy you're here. Just let me creep in and creep out. Go away. <laughs> Back to business. So, yeah, I think I think we talked about this a little bit off mic, but I think this whole movie uh, is a xenophobic <laughs> anti-immigration spider metaphor. Basically, the spiders are from an area where brown people live. Um, and the brown people like, and black people and indigenous people. It's like just like Adam's back. And so is the dog. <gasps> Frank. Frank the tank. Hey, sweet girl. Coming to say hi. Okay, Frankie, let's go. Okay. Yes, so indigenous people, black people, brown people live in these areas, and I feel like they are, like, the biggest, like, unfounded fear is that, you know, people of color will come into America and, like, populate America after their countries are completely stripped of resources because America props up dictatorships that, like, destroy the local economies. And America steals resources at a lower price, preventing local uh, communities and countries to use their own resources and make their own money. So, yes, and the idea that the spiders, the spiders will spread. Like if you let one spider in, the spiders will spread and take over as like American values and traditions and like destroy this kind of small town way of life. It's kind of a weak and obvious metaphor, I would say. It's also telling that it's in California, which is very mm-hmm. close to the Mexican border, the way that people from Central and South America come to America is through the Mexican border a lot of the times. So So if you thought it was just an innocent creature feature Disgusting. It's really not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of offensive. Oh Frankie's back. There's so much going on over here right now. Wow. Um, yeah, so obviously the racism against the indigenous Venezuelan at the beginning, it couldn't be, like, more obvious. Uh, in the helicopter, as they travel to the Tepui, um, Manly asks, is he friendly? As though his appearance, like, denotes that he is, yeah, that he would be violent or, like, difficult. I'm sorry, I keep burping because of my beverages. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I think, like, the way that they characterize him, he's othered immediately, he doesn't have many lines, none of the other, um, like, Venezuelans who are helping them down this big 
sinkhole have lines or names or like just the moving equipment for them have to deal with manly's body like this yeah. they give them like grunt work that's perceived as dirty or like things that like white people shouldn't have to do because it's work that should be done by brown and black people uh, field assistant Miguel is like also othered. He's like making jokes uh, at Manly's expense, which I find entertaining. But he's also like probably just as educated as Dr. Atherton, um, just as qualified and has to be the field assistant instead of the lead on this research. And maybe if he was the and, lead, and they wouldn't have just. that he's local too, you know? Yeah, they wouldn't have just killed all these butterflies for no reason. Imagine. Okay. People Imagine from just a, leaving shit alone when you're you don't belong there and you haven't been invited there. Those butterflies don't want you around. But just imagine people from another country coming to America to a forest to a tree, killing all the bugs in the tree and then leaving the specimens of the bugs. Someone would riot. Like there would be like whole <coughs> lawsuits filed. There would be an inquisition. I am yeah, you're yeah, like, totally. come in and do whatever you want to another country and their indigenous lands that are the rainforests that are already um, decimated enough. But anyway. Yeah, it's I feel like you've probably seen this on TikTok because there's a lot of like native Hawaii residents that are like, please don't come to Hawaii. Like we the islands are literally dying because tourists will not stop coming here and just like behaving completely out of pocket and acting like American tourism and American exceptionalism and interference, like help move Hawaii's like, you know, indigenous populations forward because they're supporting them. It's just this like crazy white savior narrative that like something can't be valid and can't be important unless it's like touched by whiteness, you know? It's also, yeah, it's, like, all these people, like, Hawaii's so cheap right now, and look at this huge house I bought with all my American white money, and it's, like, you're do- you're a bad person. You are not yeah. good. You're not doing good. Yeah, white Americans that move to Hawaii, like, fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Like, rethink your every life choice that got you here, because you're probably a criminal. There's also the whole, like, uh, yeah, it's, like, if... Israel shouldn't, or it doesn't, shouldn't exist, then neither should America or Australia or, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Absolutely, (laughs) you're right. Israel shouldn't exist, neither should America. Like, the, I mean, like, we're all violently occupying land that doesn't belong to us. And, I mean, I think Israel is, like, obviously a really egregious example that people can kind of, like, latch onto as a... kind of like catalyst for change because it happened within the lifetimes of many people that are still alive. And like, Mm -hmm. it's a very recent, like, I mean, not recent, it's like, you know, getting to be close to a hundred years, but it's an Mm -hmm. occupation where like the violence was documented in this way where we can see it in recent memory. And I think America absolves itself of the violence that it committed against indigenous people because it was so many generations removed, but that's not an excuse. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, not an excuse at all. Um, the I did find out that the biggest uh, sovereign Navajo nation is, like, on the... It's at the Four Roads Crossing. Most of it is in Arizona, so I didn't know that Oh, that's before. cool. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, this movie sucks, and I don't like it. Don't watch it. Again, I wouldn't watch it. I did my trademark move where I rented it 
didn't finish it and then had to rent it again. So I would say it wasn't worth the three ninety nine two times to rent this movie. Don't watch it. It's just a lot of like spiders and white guys talking to each other. I don't recommend. Um, I think maybe it does pass the Bechdel test though because Bunny and Shelley, Bunny Beachwood and Shelley. Yeah, they're like talking about frogs and uh when they're like sitting alone they're mostly just books, talking, about, they're spiders. talking <laughs> about ghosts and spiders and not men so that's cool yeah but um yeah if you don't enjoy fat phobia the hypersexualization of high school people um classic racism. white doctors overt racism and like american exceptionalism i think avoid it Agree, but next uh, next week we're doing hopefully a fun one. I haven't watched it with my. I hope it spooky succubus eyes on. I haven't either. I hope it's still okay. But I remember. I mean, the the villain is an affluent white trust fund man, so it can't be too bad, right? Yeah, I hope it's fun. I think there are still some boobs. So, oh, we're doing Tucker and Dale. That's what Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. Um, That's one of Caesar's we, favorites, right? Yeah, it's like one of probably his favorite horror movie. I think uh, that might be one I can convince Adam to watch with me. Yeah. Uh, what are we gonna fuck this week? Um, fuck America. <laughs> You're True. truly the worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck, fuck all presidents. Remember that they're all your enemy. Um. Fuck imperialism. Uh, fuck the CIA. Um, yeah, whatever, anything bad that's happened in foreign relations, like, you can almost always trace it back to the CIA. Yeah. So, um, did you listen to that recent episode of Criminal where um, it's about breaking into the FBI, and these activists broke into the FBI to basically, like, make records disappear so that people in their local area could avoid the draft. So it's like if they didn't, ha- it, like, nothing was digitized. So if they just make the, like, person's record disappear, like, they don't get drafted or whatever. But it, like, prompted this huge uncovering of, like, crazy FBI files. And the FBI had an initiative to basically, it was, like, they weren't outright going to murder Martin Luther King Jr., but they were, they had a campaign to get him to kill himself, and they had, like, this crazy detailed campaign about it. And I was like, it is so crazy that the CIA and the FBI are, like... I mean, they did... Respected. Or, well, they did the murder yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But it, it wasn't the way. <laughs> it, it wasn't, wasn't the original of, like, this plan. plan. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah, it was a state-sanctioned murder, for sure. Um, but, yeah, like, this is widely available information. And, like, still you see... Like, crooked, like, two-party, like, political monsters propping up, like, MLK quotes when they're, like, they're, like, parties to, and loyal to organ- the organizations that murdered him. Like, what the fuck? This is my problem, right? It's, like, I want This is your communism. one right here. No, this is, yeah, this is my one of, like, <laughs> a 100 million. I got 99 problems. <laughs> Capitalism is all of them. But I think, uh... The problem is, like, I want communism and, like, uh, the, like, anti-establishment, like, anti-white supremacy to be so ubiquitous, right? And that, like, okay, how do we do that now? It's, like, memes and, like, 
like social media culture, but then it yeah. gets so diluted, diluted, diluted that then you get down to like people quoting MLK incorrectly or like making yeah. it seem, you know, so like how do we, how do we get there? Like to like the actual ideas being pushed forward instead of these moderates being like, I don't agree with Jeff Bezos, but I'm not a communist. It's like, well, then who are you? I think we get there by a violent governmental overthrow. That's true. With white people leading the charge because you have to I've been lifting weights in preparation for that My God, me too, but how heavy are yours? Because mine are eight-pound dumbbells that I just, like, take breaks during my work day, and I'm like, here I go! (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, very, yeah, like, season, or... Suzanne Summers, like I almost Literally, said Susan Sarandon. That's right. Maybe I should get like a step too, so I can do it while I'm doing like one single step. Yeah. I mean, you got to start somewhere, and I'm fat and weak, so who cares? Like, yeah, eight pounds eight sounds pounds, great, baby. Oh, also, did you know it's fucking snowing here? I hate it. That here sounds so horrible. Much. It's kind of chilly today, but it's like sixty. But yeah, sixty is a mild summer day for us. In this absolute vortex of hell. I love it here. All right. So um, next week we're doing Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I don't know what else we're up to. I'm, it's hard to know Stir of Echoes. Oh, yeah. Stir of Echoes. Fingernails, though. There is, uh, there is a prominent fingernail scene, yeah. But you get to look at Kevin Bacon. He gets sweaty. It's like a whole Wasn't thing. Wasn't that? I think we've talked about this on air and forgotten it. But that woman was on house after that. The one that plays the murdered teenager. I don't know. I never really watched House, so. Well, it's not great. I guess, I guess now is not the time to, like, really start. I don't want to be yeah. one of those, like, I don't like House, but I don't, I didn't like it. My mom was really into it. Of course. Like, why wouldn't she be? It's about doctors, though. Gross. Yeah, I know. House um, is it? Is it this movie? <laughs> Yeah, Jennifer Morrison. And then she was in Once Upon a Time. Remember that show? I feel like we have had this conversation before. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. we'll, we'll end it. We'll do it again when we, when we talk Yeah, we'll forget we talked about us. this. Okay, um, so with that we say stay ugly. And get fucked. We'll talk to you on the flippity flop. Bye. Bye.